Hello and welcome to the Ada Bible Church Beyond the Weekend podcast, where we debrief each weekend sermon, focusing on extra points of connection and what there just wasn't time for in the sermon. I'm your host, Amelia Rhodes, and I'm the Director of Discipleship Resources at Ada Bible Church, working with our Beyond the Weekend team with curriculum and content across the church. Joining me today is my regular co-host, Stephen Lewis, our pastor of spiritual formation at Ada Bible, leading our children's, students, and young adults in groups ministries, and Brad Holmes, our union pastor and North Satellite pastor. Welcome. How are you guys today? Doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Just happy to be here. Another Monday. <laughs> Sunny Monday. We'll take it. Well, we're thrilled to have you join us for this episode, whether you're a regular attender of our church, a visitor, or a listener from afar. We hope this podcast will challenge you to study God's Word, grow your relationship with Him. And just a reminder that you'll appreciate this podcast the most if you've already heard the weekend sermon, so if you missed it, we encourage you to go ahead and hit pause on the podcast, click the link for the sermon in the show notes, and then listen to that before coming back. Well, as we get started and before we jump into the sermon, Brad, you just had this great illustration of starting fire with flint and steel, mm. which was just very impressive. <laughs> I've been trying to get fire on stage for a while. so <laughs> It was kind of really fun to do that uh, on stage. Yeah. And we were like second row, and I'm like, that is cool. So question, uh, how do you start fires, Stephen? Yeah, I'm not nearly as... Um, Basic, maybe his brand. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to say that. Well, I, I we do cheat every once in a while. Okay, so there is that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um, I'm in the 21st century with my fire starting techniques, and well, the thing I've been using lately is uh, something called a tumbleweed. So I just walk out to my front yard, pick it up as it rolls by. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, actually, <laughs> a uh, thing you can buy. I get I get mine on Amazon, but it's a syndrilical a natural uh, fire starter. It's about four inches long. I started using them with my pizza oven to get the charcoal going with the wood there. And, and now I've been using them in my, when I get the charcoal ready for my smoker. And so I was like, why wouldn't I just use this to start a wood fire? It's too? like a, a one-time thing. Like yeah, you use it, it starts thing. it. Use it, it burns for yeah. four or five minutes and gets everything around it going. It's They're great, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Flint steel, tumbleweed. Ours usually involves some like fire starter liquid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, get a big poof of flame yep. going. <laughs> so, oh, that's fun. Well, this weekend sermon did talk a little bit about starting fires. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Uh, words ignite. But, Stephen, uh, could you recap for us real quick? This sermon was titled Faith and Words. We were in James chapter three. Can you give us the three points and a quick recap? Yeah, we already kind of talked about the middle point, Ignite, but uh, starting at the beginning, we talked about words directing. And there, James just uses those two great pictures of a horse with a bit in its mouth. And uh, speaking of tumbleweeds, it's mm. like... Yeah. Yeah. You got a Western yeah, theme. got a Western theme going on here, apparently. <laughs> but a horse with a bit in its mouth and then the rudder of a ship. And it is crazy to think about those small things and how they can mm. turn... Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's a horse or and if you haven't been near a horse in a while, they're big, yeah. you know, or a ship and um, something that is sailing across, you know, James's world, uh, the Sea of Galilee or the Mediterranean Sea. Those are were some decent ships. You know, they weren't just uh, fishing boats mm-hmm. and just how powerful words can be in the direction of people's life. And so that was that first point. The second one was igniting. Mm-hmm. And I, that's where you use the flint and steel just to talk about we're shooting sparks out. Are those sparks of life? Mm-hmm. Are they sparks of death coming out of Proverbs? Was it 18, mm-hmm. 24 or something like yeah. that? It's close to that. Mm-hmm. And um, just a really positive uh, picture of what the potential of our words. And mm-hmm. then um, the last point was about how words reveal our heart. And James hints at this, and I. this is, again, one of those things where it's just fun to think about the humanity behind the scriptures, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. 
And so James is Jesus' half-brother, and Jesus talks about the power of our words and how they reveal our heart um, there and how it talks. He's talking about the fruit and everything's like that. And James is picking up these themes mm-hmm. from Jesus and just talking about how our words reveal our heart. And then I love, Brad, how you took us to what Jesus said about it, because I think it's so good that our words can be a way for us to ask ourselves, who are we really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, great stuff. Good work. Well, there's so much in each chapter of James, and we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. You can never cover the whole chapter, even, or even half a chapter. I think this was 12 verses in a sermon. So what didn't make it into the sermon this week that you wish you could have shared with everyone, Brad? Yeah, there, I, James, the direction of the advice that he's giving has to do with how we use the words that we speak. And uh, so in that, I, I don't think James gives us a whole lot of advice, or he, he doesn't really give us a whole lot of direction when it comes to moments that somebody else speaks to us Mm -hmm. and we just don't know what to do with that. And uh, moments when we've been burned and hurt by someone else's words and how we navigate through uh, just the, what happens if we don't get an apology or what happens if we'll never get an apology. Mm -hmm. And so there was just this uh, felt a little bit lopsided in some ways uh, talking through our responsibility with our words, but not really having a whole lot of content to talk about uh, how we respond. Yeah, and that's a big one because I can, you say that and I think of several situations, you know, in my own life and Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people have the same where there are, there's not been an apology and Mm -hmm. you know there probably won't be and maybe there's not even a recognition of what happened and that's, it's painful Mm -hmm. and overcoming those. I think sometimes we spend the rest of our life overcoming some of those wounds and there are a couple things that have come to mind is one, just I always think of the gospel and how did Jesus respond and how did Jesus you know, respond and and forgive people who didn't even recognize what they had done. And I, yeah. the thing that came to mind was Jesus hanging on the cross. And I think it's in Luke 23, they're hanging on the cross and his statement, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, as he's dying, you know, with his, one of his final breath words is to offer forgiveness to people who hadn't asked for it. And so I, I was, I take courage in the truth that Jesus doesn't ask us to do something he hasn't done, yeah. you know, in forgiving people who, have not asked for an apology and knowing that forgiveness doesn't rest on what the other person does, yeah. but what Jesus has done for us and being able to extend that is the way of the gospel, but also recognizing that forgiveness doesn't equal trust mm-hmm. and relationship. Pastor Jeff's talked about that a lot. Uh, that has been very helpful for me to recognize. I can let them off the hook and forgive, but it doesn't mean we have to be buddies mm-hmm. or hang out or should. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I think um, a key word, like a, if you want a biblical word for this, is the word repentance. We often mm-hmm. think of repentance as synonymous with confession. It's like, oh, I did something wrong. I need to repent of it. Mm-hmm. That's not really the biblical concept here. The biblical concept is going in a different direction. I think my Greek isn't great, but I think it's the word metanoel, which someone's somewhere is going to tell me I mispronounced that. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah, that's what my Greek professor said to me all the time too. Um, but it's this idea of changing your mind and going in a different direction. And I love how you said it was gospel-focused because really – when we're asking, what do we do with somebody who doesn't, hasn't asked for forgiveness, we're still focused on that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think repentance tells us we're going in a different direction. We're going to focus on Jesus now. Yeah, And that really is the way forward. Now, there can be a lot of layers to that because, as you mentioned, you know, words can direct our lives. Mm-hmm. And this really gets to that first point. And some of us have received words that have really directed the way we've lived a long time in our life. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of like the the Shrek comment, right, about onions and peeling back the layers, you know, like, um, and so you might peel back one layer of forgiveness for that person, 
and what they said. But if it's one of the deep wounds in your life, you might find that there are multiple times where you have to forgive them over and over again. And as you see how they've directed their, your your life with their words, you might have to keep peeling that back and mm-hmm. keep forgiving them again and turning to Jesus again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea of repentance seems to be the right idea here is we're going to go a different direction. We're not going to be focused on what happened there. We're going to, I'm going to be focused on the future and what Jesus has for me and acknowledging that Jesus went through it is just so important too. Yeah. And I like that you said it's not one and done. I've heard Pastor Jeff mention that a few times. We might forgive, you know, oh, we need to come back to this over and over mm-hmm. and over. I think we have this, oh, forgive and forget. Well, our, our brains don't forget. Yeah. yeah <laughs> our human yeah. brains don't forget. So choosing not to act on it when it does come up and yeah. returning to that over and over is one of the keys. I, yeah. I've found there are just, just people, as soon as you mention their name, my heart mm-hmm. goes somewhere it shouldn't. And I have to like rip it to where I need it to go. Mm-hmm. And that's that forgiveness. I've worked hard to actively forgive some of those people. Mm-hmm. And yet, just like you said, the mention of their name is like my first response is like to put myself back into that, where that all happened and still be anger, angry or bitter about it. And that's where I think that repentance and like, no, I'm going to go a different direction um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise above the emotions that are caught welling up inside of me, and trying to have something else spill out of me. Yeah. You know, essentially, yeah. like I'm gonna choose what spills out of me in regards to this person instead of um, letting my wound, you know, bubble up and spill out of me. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything else that you had that you didn't get to that you wanted to this weekend? Yeah, a couple other things. Uh, One, there's a passage from Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 where he says, speak the truth in love. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really get a whole lot of time to talk through, you know, all the other places where the Bible talks about our words. But that is a, a, that's a real encouragement. That's a real challenge, I think, when it comes to our words. How do we speak and how do we... How do we say truthful things, but do it gently and do it lovingly with the other person in mind? Um, yeah, we didn't get to talk about that a whole lot uh, this week. I think one of the passages you had in the first version of the sermon that we uh-huh. saw was in Ephesians 4 and talked about building one another up yeah. you know, yep. in love and using words to build, mm-hmm. rather that bringing life rather than destroying and mm-hmm. just something for us to pay attention to and be aware of. It's, you know, you mentioned speaking the truth in love, and I think, what is it, John 1, oh, I don't know, it would be somewhere down 10 or 11, maybe, I don't know, wow, where he talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. same idea of here was Jesus who knew how to speak the truth in love. And some people, it felt a lot more truthful, and some people it felt a lot more loving. And I can think back to moments in my life, and you talked about this a little bit in the direct area where you're like, where someone came and said something to you that steered your life, and it wasn't necessarily like, hey, great job. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, you need to watch this thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and that still turned out positive. And I can think of three or four times in my life where someone has said that to me in a loving way. Yeah. And that to me is often the difference yeah. is I can tell when someone is being loving and when someone is coming in pretty critical mm-hmm. and they're worried about how they look instead of about what's yeah. best for me or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think mm-hmm. that the speaking the truth in love is something that's important for us as Christians to try to figure out what does that look like when yeah. we do it? How do we do that well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's not just what we say, but how we say it. And oftentimes that's the nonverbals as well. Yeah, yeah. As well, those cues. <laughs> as you sigh. I know. <laughs> for some of us, nonverbals are really hard. You know, like... This is true. Yeah. Was there uh, anything you wish you could have spent more time on 
Yeah, there's so from uh, Luke chapter six. It's a it's a passage where um, I used the, the the water and I filled up the glass with water and spilled some of the water as we talked about mm-hmm. being bumped into. I, I there's uh, there are moments in the life of Jesus where we see him being bumped into mm-hmm. and uh, watching what comes out of his mouth when he gets bumped into in life, I think is so encouraging and so challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the you know biggest moment, um, the night before he's crucified, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. And then when he's on the cross, I mean, those are pretty big moments where you would say, He's being bumped into. Right. Uh, Luke, I think, even describes him in the garden, and it says that his he's so stressed out and so anxious that his sweat was like drops of blood. Mm. Like that's how mm-hmm. just worried, like stressed he was, uh, knowing what he was about to accomplish for all of us on the cross. And uh, in those moments, he begs the people around him, his disciples, and he spends time praying. Like that's what comes out of his mouth. And then on the cross, we know he recites some of the Psalms, mm-hmm. like the the scriptures and prayer to God are what comes out of like, that's the goodness that he's stored up in his heart. And I just think that's so encouraging and such a challenge to say when I find myself, my, find myself in moments where I feel like I'm being bumped into what comes out, what, what spills out of my mouth. It's a good mm-hmm. reminder that Jesus' humanity Mm-hmm. We can see him as God, but remember he was fully God and fully man. And he was fully man mm-hmm. in those moments, mm-hmm. as well as fully God, the pain, the anguish. And so what spilled out of him being God's words, that dependence, it's a hope for us that we can look to him and with his power and strength, we we can do the same. Yeah, We can be that full so that when we're squeezed, that's what comes out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, getting back to Jesus' humanity, we can look at that and be like, well, of course he's going to have Scripture come out of him. He's God, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, there's that glimpse into the life of Jesus. And I couldn't tell you whether it's it's probably in the Synoptic Gospels somewhere. Um, it might be in multiple ones where it talks about how he grew in stature mm-hmm. with before yeah. both mm-hmm. God and man, right? And he's mm-hmm. in that time where he, he his parents are freaking out because they can't find him in the yeah, temple, yeah. right? He's yeah. in the temple learning and asking uh-huh. questions. And so you we get this picture of a Jesus who doesn't just show up with the Bible memorized. Yep. Mm-hmm. But a, a Jesus who pours, you know, fills his cup up with the scripture and mm-hmm. with prayer and things like that. So that when he's bumped into in life, that's what comes out of him. It's just he wasn't born that way, just like we aren't born that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Luke 2.52, by the way. Look at you. No, it's, I only know that. Uh, that is a prayer. My kids go to bed at night, and I walk into the room, and I just pray that prayer mm-hmm. over them for mm-hmm. them to grow in stature and in wisdom and in favor of God and man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think that's a simple prayer, and it's just a uh, uh, little side note that we get about Jesus. It's also yeah. echoed, I think, in the life of Samuel as he grows as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. Um, early on in the Old Testament. That That's that's a type, right, Amelia? That's mm-hmm. a type, it mm-hmm. is. And that's what we're going through in the Beyond the Weekend devotional mm-hmm. every uh, month this year. We're looking at yeah. some of the types throughout the Bible this year. This month we're in Genesis. We're in Genesis in yeah. February. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. get to Samuel. That's awesome. I love that modeling and that example because it shows intentionality. Like these mm-hmm. To fill up requires effort. And we've talked about that, you know, mm-hmm. faith and works and there's effort involved. It's not to earn, but to grow. Mm-hmm. And the work that Jesus did to grow and the work that we can cooperate with the spirit to grow. That's where the spiritual practices come in. And there's something that came to mind over this weekend that I did 
for a number of years. And that's the thing too, I think to remember, it's not, again, it's not one and done. When we grow in these areas, it's not, you show up, you memorize one verse, mm -hmm. you know, for that one day and then never remember it again. When I know people who just, God's word and his love just flows out of them. It's been years of spending time in the word, yeah. years of study, years of growing. And it just inspires me to want to do the same. And there was something that someone passed along to me in a really hard season a while ago. I was working to grow and heal and it was a long process and this was going to take a long time. And something they encouraged me to do, I brought it with me today because this came to mind over the weekend, was to get a stack of three by five cards that are spiral bound, a little notebook, but it's mm -hmm. three by five cards, so it's sturdy. And they encouraged me to carry it with me everywhere I went and to fill it with scripture, hmm. encouraging quotes from sermons or maybe something I read. And it was a season where I memorizing was, my brain was not in a great place. Mm -hmm. So memorizing and recalling things wasn't good, but I could read something. And so this is filled cover to cover, and I think from the dates that I wrote in here, I, I carried this for five years. Yeah, wow. Everywhere I went, in my car, in my purse, in mm -hmm. my backpack to work. And when I would hear something or I would read something that I thought, well, I'm gonna add that to my notebook, I, I would you know, add it till it was full. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is in those moments where I was getting squeezed and I felt my heart turning you know, in a direction it shouldn't go or just overwhelmed by anxiety and panic, I would pull out my notebook and I would just start reading out loud. Mm -hmm. Card after card after card mm -hmm. until my heart and my mind and my thoughts were redirected mm -hmm. to him. That was that was a practice I did for a long time, and it's pretty special. And some of those verses now are like old friends. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I was wondering. Was I hearing that? I know you just went and found that, and as you're flipping back through it, are you like, I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. I remember where I was. Sometimes I remember where I was when I encountered that one. But just even things like the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and mm. saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Just some of these psalms, every time I encounter them, it's just, you know, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. Psalm 16, just, you know, there, it's like visiting an old friend. That's awesome. But, but it takes work to fill up. Mm -hmm. um, and then they come to mind as you need them, but... Anyway, that was one practice that I had put in place uh, to fill. Yeah. It's it's very likely someone has listened to this and that's what they need to do. You know, mm -hmm. but God is working in their heart and they need to stop and either start doing it in a, a note app in their phone. I think I saw the date in that 2012. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we were all carrying smartphones around there and just start putting verses and things mm -hmm. you hear in a sermon into your phone and stick with it for five years yeah. or they might need to go out and buy a three by five cards on a spiral bound and just carry them with them. And I've always wondered what all that stuff in the purse is. So <laughs> I guess I there's three by five cards in there, but I think, you know, yeah. it's likely some of us need to start doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know. There's a season of my life where I don't know what it was. I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. roll over, look at the clock and I, my brain would just start spinning and I'd uh, find myself staring at the ceiling, worried mm. about things that were not even realistic, you know, yeah. just things that pop in your head. And for some reason, it was three o'clock in the morning and it was night after night after night. And uh, I, I'd, I'd met with a counselor, had given me some advice. And uh, one of the things he said was to fill yourself up with scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I picked a couple, uh, two for me and maybe, yeah, maybe... Maybe you're right. Maybe there's someone who needs to hear. There may be somebody else yeah. who's mm -hmm. waking up at three o'clock in the morning. 
Uh, but for me, there was a passage from First Peter. It says, uh, cast all your mm. worries at his feet mm-hmm. because he loves you. Uh, and then um, another one from Philippians that says, in the peace of God, but mm. you can't even understand. Mm-hmm. will guard your heart and your mind at Christ Jesus. And so I would just, as I breathed out at three o'clock in the morning, I would cast my mm-hmm. worries at his feet. And as I breathed in, I would just imagine the peace of God wrapping its arms around yeah. my heart. And yeah, it took a, a couple nights, but yeah, if, if I ever find myself up at three o'clock in the morning, I can do that a couple times and fill myself up and... The next thing I know, my alarm's going off uh, in the morning. It's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. What I what I love about all of these things is it's not that you're adding something huge to your life. Mm-hmm. It, it's finding a space where you're struggling, find, and you're just adding something to a rhythm. You're already awake mm-hmm. at 3 yeah. a.m. Rather than stewing, be intentional mm-hmm. about it. Totally, 3 o'clock is the hour. Mm-hmm. We're all up at 3 a.m., I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so I love that you're tying it to something. And I think you had a story, Stephen, too, I love these, like finding regular rhythms and then making them intentional ways to fill up. I think you had one too, you had mentioned yeah. earlier. And I think there's a piece of, I was just talking with a coworker about this idea of mortification of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the idea that um, we're to put to death kind of those evil things that come out of our heart. Yeah. And we're supposed to bring to life something new. And for me, um, part of that season was um, some of you who are closer to my age might relate to this, but. For some reason, I grew up in the time period where in the middle of small town America, gangster rap was a thing. Like, I don't, <laughs> I still don't understand how it got there. Like, how did I find myself in this time period? Um, and I wasn't necessarily huge into it, but I had friends who were, you know, from like every other word was a curse word to just kind of like your stuff you'd play on the radio. So I was around it um, and exposed to it on a regular basis. And then I was driving back and forth my freshman year to college. And what I found was, and I would call it the soundtrack of my life, was things from those songs. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the radio, you know, some local radio stations. And I realized, and I say I realized, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that that, isn't, that wasn't filling me up with the things I needed to be filled up with. Mm-hmm. And actually, I can't remember when this was my freshman year, but it was pretty early. I just decided I'm done with the radio on my car ride. I had about a 40 minute ride in and out of college. And what I did was I tried to intentionally spend that time with God. Mm. And now that I'm 19, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't perfect every morning. My mind Mm. was probably on English exams and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. going (laughs) to and from school. But I was, my goal was to kill it. Mm. You know, like I, I don't know that I would have known it then, but that's exactly what I was trying to do was like to put that part of my brain, those those that soundtrack to my life to death Mm -hmm. and um so that's what i did for that year and then i've slowly introduced mainly christian music i don't love christian music but i'm like if i'm gonna have anything be the soundtrack of my life that's and that's what i do with my kids too is Mm -hmm. try to keep us focused on that and not saying that all secular music is bad or anything but really that intentional choice to say okay here's something that is filling me that i don't want filling me anymore Mm -hmm. and it's really powerful to listen to the words. This whole sermon was about words. What words are we taking in, whether off, mm. it's on podcasts or music or mm-hmm. news shows, and are they bringing life or are they bringing death? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good rhythm and practice. Well, we've gotten some good questions uh, over this past week and wanted to take a little time to address a couple of those. Uh, this one comes 
from one of your friends at the North Satellite. Yeah. Brad. <laughs> and right. The question was related to last weekend's sermon. Genesis 22, 2 calls Isaac Abraham's one and only son. And we understand the comparison to God sacrificing Jesus, his one and only son. But why is Ishmael not considered to be one of Abraham's sons? And I just think that's a really good question because you come across it. Wait a minute. He had, he had mm-hmm. another son. So how would we answer that? Well, I think we have to ask ourselves first, what is the author of Genesis trying to communicate here? And that is a question that sometimes we forget because we want to just look at like a plain meaning of a text or um, something like that. And really the key, the first question we ask of the Bible is, what is the author trying to communicate? Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at, you know, you, you might go look at study Bible. I've mentioned before, super helpful with this. You might, um, you know, if you really want to get into it, you can look at um, a commentary or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what I love, though, is just to start with the text and try to, okay, what what's happening? So right before this, I think this is coming out of Genesis 22. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, in Genesis 21, you have this exchange with uh, Hagar, Sarah, Ishmael, and Abraham, essentially, and God, actually. God inserts mm-hmm. himself in these conversations, and and God tells Abraham hey, it's time for Ishmael and Hagar to leave, essentially. I've got them, you know, don't worry about it. This isn't the normal standard cultural practice, but don't worry about it. And then um, they leave, and God meets them in that space in a very unique way, and that's where um, Hagar names the Lord who sees me and is with me, which I think is such a powerful statement. Yeah. But then immediately on that, you have this moment, and what the— I believe what the author is trying to convey, and scholars debate a little bit about what, like if you want to get into the intricacies of what that means, but what it's saying is the son of the promise, mm-hmm. right? Abraham's promise back in Genesis 12, that God's going to make mm-hmm. a nation out of him that's been revisited over and over again. And so I think what the, if you were to say, if you could find the author of Genesis, probably Moses, you know, and pin him down and say, what did you mean by this? Mm-hmm. He would say, well, it's very clear that Isaac's the son of the promise. He's the only son there anymore. Mm-hmm. Ishmael's gone. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I think that's like the overriding principle to questions like this is what is the author of Genesis mm-hmm. trying to convey? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was there before uh, the sons were born, uh, the You're promise. Right. Uh, and, and, and Ishmael was a product of uh, Abraham not trusting mm-hmm. God, saying, oh, I, I'm not going to get a son. I'm not having a son. This isn't going on my timeline. So I'm going to do something different to see if I can make this promise come true. And I think it's God pulling it back to say, no, this is what I had always promised you from mm-hmm. the beginning. This was how it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what makes it so powerful is it feels like Abraham probably feels like he's settled things, right? Mm-hmm. He's got this whole, like, I'm going to go do it my own way. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, and that kind of blows up. And then Isaac's born, and now you got the tension. Mm-hmm. And then the tension's resolved. It's like, okay, we're finally in the, like, we're finally locked into the plan of the promise. Mm-hmm. And then God's like, will you trust me with the person I promised to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to see if I can find it. It's either Hebrews or Romans, but where they talk about Ishmael and Isaac and Isaac being the heir, the son of promise. And the New Testament mm-hmm. author also then helps us re- you know, interpret the Old Testament as they look back on what was the author mm-hmm. doing, what was God mm-hmm. saying. And there's mm-hmm. a whole conversation 
it might be in Hebrews about Ishmael and Isaac and what God was doing and the promise. But yeah, that line that God chose. Yeah, it's a good question. It's just fun to me because Abraham also is like, has this trust in this God at this point. He's like, well, okay, must be he's going to bring him back from the dead. You know, yeah. like it, mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. like, uh-huh. And that is in Hebrews yeah. where they're uh-huh. saying he believed God could raise him from the dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that is a moment where he it finally reveals, okay, yeah, I'm going to yeah. trust you, God, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe you're so big you can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question that came in was, again, just asking about a little more historical context of the book of James and that we had mentioned earlier that Martin Luther struggled with some of James' teaching. Um, just wondering how we've applied that over the years and just knowing there's a lot of questions. Like James brings up a lot of things, particularly mm-hmm. on the faith and works conversation. Uh, do we have anything we want to add about the history of James and where that comes? Um, yeah, I mean, I, we talked a lot about last time about the faith and works, mm-hmm. I believe. So um, go back and listen to that. If, and that's more about the content of James. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, James is one of the last books... Um, kind of formally, rec- it was it was deemed authoritative early on, but with the canon, the way I was taught it, there were three tests of canon. See if I can remember. This is a long time ago that I'm pulling from here. <laughs> so the canon um, apostolicity was one of the key markers of whether a book that was passed around, would, and that was, is it tied to someone who knew Jesus, mm-hmm. essentially? Um, and James clearly is, is his half-brother. Um, or... Th- orthodoxy does it teach the types of things jesus taught and that's a little bit where the question on james is it's not that it's not teaching it but it does have some conversational works and then universality and that is like has the church recognized this as being authoritative as well and so there was more discussion around james than some of the other books um, but it was eventually like no these these things aren't in contrast to each other and so it's recognized. I don't have the dates in front of me on the timeline of that. And we might not even know them, honestly. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we start getting some like lists of New Testament books. Oh, I'm, I could be wrong about this. I think Irenaeus and, um, writes an Easter letter or something like that. And that's where we get some of the first books, um, like the list of them. Right. But um, I there's a commentary series that I like to check out. It's it's fun for me. I'm not sure it's like the most helpful commentary ever, but it's a, it's the ancient Christian commentary, uh, and then they do different books. It's super expensive, so I don't have very many of them. But what I like about it, and I had I don't have the James ones, but we got some copies of um, some of the pages, but it, it goes through and traces church fathers for like the first five centuries, I think. And so um, they are interacting with James like it is the scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't, I couldn't tell you what they're saying about it. Like, if you were like, what's Augustine or um, Aquinas or somebody like that, you know, think about James at different times. I couldn't off the top of my head tell you, but mm-hmm. the um, people like Origen and Clement and Augustine, you know, they're, they're in the commentary. I've read through some of it for James and they're, they're interacting like it, with it like it is scripture in some of the same way we're wrestling with it today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. They're not saying, they're saying, yeah, true faith really does show itself with works. Mm-hmm. And so from my experience of that, I would say that seems to be the interpretation of um, people wrestling with James up until Luther, where Luther is coming out of this um, environment where you are legitimately 
earning your salvation, mm-hmm. you know, um, and sometimes you're buying it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why a reformation really is needed. And I think he is reacting to this idea of earning or buying your salvation. And he looks at, he's reading James through that lens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit of his, like, I'm not sure about this mm-hmm. because of the history there. Yeah. I'd have to imagine the tension for Luther had to be, had to have something to do with the context in which he was yeah. living. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do, I do appreciate the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think so often, even even in my own life, I want to boil down faith to A plus B equals C, and I th- I don't think we could do that. I think the scriptures give us um, multiple examples of different ways that God works, and we just can't put them in a box and mm-hmm. say this is how this is how it works. So so good, and I've found that as I've read through all of Scripture and just over the past few years, gotten into the whole Bible. I'd studied James a few years ago, and then I was reading, oh, oh, that sounds like James, you know, in the Old Testament here, Psalms, mm-hmm. Proverbs, mm-hmm. you know, and just realizing those threads throughout of like, oh, that gives confidence in the New Testament authors, I think, too, when you realize how much they're referring back to the Old Testament and the teachings and words of Jesus and mm-hmm. seeing that consistent thread. So looking at the, the whole canon of Scripture mm-hmm. uh, in light of that, I think, is really powerful, mm-hmm. too. Well, as we wrap up our time together, it's been a great conversation. Brad, it's been great to have you here with us for a couple of weeks. Yeah, Thanks this has been teaching. wonderful. Yeah, we enjoyed the conversation. Uh, do we know what's coming up next week as we head towards Aaron? Pastor Aaron will be back with us next week. Guess yeah. he has the last half of three. Actually, he is moving into chapter four. His right. sermon title is Faith and Desires, and he's going to be in James 4, 1 through 10. So if you're looking to read ahead, um, James 4, 1 through 10 for this weekend. All right. That's a great. Thanks for looking that up for us. Well, just a reminder that we love taking your questions. If you have questions, you can find that link in the show notes. A few more weeks we'll do this podcast for this series. You can submit your questions. We'll do our best to answer as many as we can. But thanks for joining us. If you're enjoying this, feel free to subscribe, share it with your friends. We've been hearing people having conversations, listening to it Mm -hmm. and chatting about their small group or their family. We just love hearing that. Mm -hmm. And a number of you are enjoying knowing what's coming up. So do pick up your Bible, look at James 4, and read ahead. And just a reminder that this week, uh, Brad challenged us in our words to let God transform our hearts, to slow down and apologize regularly. I just wonder which one of those is God moving in your heart here you midweek to remember and to lean into and ask for his help with. So thanks for that challenge, Brad. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray this conversation was helpful and that it encourages you to make it real. Just a reminder, send those questions in. We'll take those. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And as you go, we just pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We'll see you next time.